go to the scripture reading this morning. Remember, today is all about blessing. See if you can find in both of these scriptures places where we are called to be a blessing and places where Jesus may have been a blessing to those around him. Hear the word of God. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son, whom God appointed heir of all things, through whom God also created the world. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere. What are human beings that you are mindful of them or mortals that you care for them. You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them, but we do see Jesus who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I want us to invite us to stand for the reading of the gospel of your able. From the gospel of Mark. Some Pharisees came, and to test him, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. 
People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke very sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will not enter it. And he took them in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. This is God's word. Thanks, Thanks be to God. About two, two and a half weeks ago, I had the privilege of getting a phone call from a number of our folks. And that phone call was centered around one thing. It came because of a phone call that we had received from one of our neighbors. And it was a young woman who lives right over here. And finally, I was able to just go and meet with her and spend some time with her and talk about what it was that was at the root of her concern. For decades, it seems, the way that this cul-de-sac over here is set up allows for people to come from either Tidy Middle School or even the high school or other places and then avoid walking the dangerous Newport Way. And so what they do is they cut down that next street over and they walk that street through the cul-de-sac, and there at the end of the cul-de-sac is a, is a fence with a gate. And because it's been going on for so long, everyone knows that all you need to do is walk through the gate, follow the path, and now we've even created a more beautiful path where the church property begins, so that you can now walk through there and get to the library or the neighborhood or just spend some time in the beauty of, of the Aldersgate property. Here's the issue. Not everyone is a middle school and a very nice middle school <coughs> young person. Not everyone who walks through that gate is what would you would call someone who is wholesome or that you would want spending time near your front door or near your two children. There are those who make her very uncomfortable and appropriately so. Some come and they just sit in the front yard by the creek. And she goes out and nicely asks them to leave and they refuse. So she put up signs, all of which were torn down. So she tried to lock the gate and it was broken open. So she tried to do some other things and every, every time something happened that allowed folks to continue to walk through her front yard. So what do we do? See, here's the issue. People could walk around the other side of the garage, but it's now filled with blackberries. And they're large and overwhelming blackberries. And finally she came and said, will you help? <clears throat> now we, we talked, some of us, about making that, recreating a path over there, another Eagle Scout project. I have another thought. What if as a church we took that on? What if as a church we designed a path and we have to talk to the two um, homeowners, the parcel owners of that area? And what if as a church we engaged with that neighborhood and created a path that was much safer and protected that young family 
from those who would walk through her front yard? What if we as a church intentionally went out of our way to take on this action? And what if, what if we had fun with it? <laughs> and what if, in the midst of all that, one of the requests that she had is, would you be willing to involve my two sons, my young sons, in whatever it is that you do, and create a relationship with them? So I spent a little time over in that neighborhood and just kind of walked up and down the street. That neighborhood is literally filled with children and youth. It's a neighborhood of duplexes. And they're looking for places to hang out and to play. They've got a somewhat dilapidated basketball hoop over there, and I kept wondering what if. What if we became a blessing to not only her and her family, but to that whole neighborhood? And what if we didn't stop there and looked around ourselves even more at all of the neighborhood around, those who are still struggling with the fact that we built a cell tower on this property, <laughs> and began to re-engage them in other ways where we might become a blessing. And you've heard me say it before, what if we did more to this property to make it even more inviting to folks to come in and dwell for a while here? and saw ourselves as offering that kind of blessing, those kinds of actions, to this neighborhood in even greater ways. Blessing. I talked about the fact that in West Samoa, the New Day began, and what it brought was World Communion Sunday. And as it moved from across the globe amazing kind of event from all the way out here across the globe where church after church after church celebrates communion and thinks about and prays about and prays for even us. And what we do is the same then as we think about those who are coming after us we are going to celebrate World Communion Sunday today. And we need to pray for them that this becomes a, a time of encouragement, a time of support. And if you think about the globe and the diversity, even within Christianity, reminding you that two weeks ago I had those two polar opposite ends and we talked about those two polar opposite ends and that we are of the same family. And what is it that we can do to be a blessing across the diversity that is this body of Christ, this family of faith? And here is one day where we can celebrate all of that. Blessing. The other day, uh, on Thursday morning early, I went out to have breakfast with a couple hundred other folks and heard the amazing story of Lorenzo Romar. Lorenzo Romar is the coach of the University of Washington basketball team. One of the most respected coaches in the world, partly because he chooses to continue to nurture and create health in athletes for whom that may not be their normal kind of mode of operation. He's a very patient man and, and, and spoke of his own family and why he has now chosen to become that kind of coach. He described for all of us at that gathering his two dads. Two dads. And he began to talk about that first dad, and that first dad was his hero. He, would spend time with him showing him how to shoot the perfect jump shot or 
do the stuff when he got big enough or took him fishing and camping and all those things that you dreamed that your father might do for you. His father did. His father did. And he talked very much about how, how he worshipped that dad. But then he said that there's the other one as well. And on every Thursday, if, if that dad didn't come home by 4 o'clock, and you could set your watch by, if he didn't come by home by 4 o'clock, that what that meant was he was out gambling and drinking. And then you knew that within the next 24 hours, that dad would come home and beat his wife. He'd beat his wife. And then he'd turn on his sons. Here's the issue, Lorenzo said. Those two dads occupied the same body. He said, I dedicated myself, particularly at 25 years old, the day that I accepted Christ into my heart, that I would be the alternative to that second dad. That as I raised my children, that I would be that first dad. And that no matter what young person I came in contact with, that I would be the example of what that dad would be because Christ would expect no less from me. And he said, I will choose to be a blessing to everyone with whom I come in contact. And I vow, as much as my authority and my life can do this, to end domestic violence. And he has taken it on. This was the domestic violence, Eastside Domestic Violence LifeWire breakfast. And then here on this Sunday, we have Henry at first service, and we have Emmy at second service. And in as much as this just may be water, this is so much more than water. This is designed to be a blessing. But what we commit to is surrounding both of these children and their families with love and grace, with prayer and support, no matter what it is that may happen to them in their lives. And that you, as those who have come and been baptized, whether it is this church or any other church, that is part of the commitment that we make with each other. That we will be there. That when we serve God with our prayers for each other, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness in life. So that we might be a blessing to others. Blessing is one of those words, isn't it, that we bandy about too often and don't necessarily understand. Until you come to these, these stories of Jesus. And even then we don't really understand until we understand the historic context in which these were written. That the children that are being allowed to come forward were not necessarily the children of those in the crowd. These two scriptures connect so beautifully because of this. There was large groups of children in that time that had been homeless because they were kicked out of their homes at, you ready for this, four or five or six or ten years old. Because their fathers had the right to kick them out of the house no matter when, no matter what, no matter if it was a knee-jerk reaction, no matter what it was. And it created this enormous homeless population of children the fathers had the same right to do that with their wives. 
that if their wives made them angry, I'm trying desperately not to look at Dorothy right now. <laughs> that summarily what they could do is just kick them out of the house, write out a little writ of divorce, and it was done. And so the other homeless population was women. And so particularly these children, and even some of their mothers, whenever a crowd gathered, would follow the crowd because they knew somehow that crowd could be a source of food. And they were starving. They were starving. There's also safety in a crowd. The reason the disciples shunned them is because they had bought into that understanding that these children didn't belong anywhere near someone like Jesus. But what did Jesus say? Let them come to me. Do not stop them. And he took them unto himself and he sat the younger one on his knee. And I have no doubt but that he called the crowd to feed them. But then he said this as he looked at the crowd and particularly at his disciples. This is how you need to approach God. You approach it like one of these children here. And what was going on with these children was a desperation, hunger for love and food and safety and nurture. And isn't that how we are to approach God? And then he did something no one else did at that time. He looked at those women and he said, no more of this elevated relationship where the men have the right to do anything they want But the two shall become one. They shall be equal. They are equal in the eyes of God. Absolutely unheard of at this time. Blessing? I'm sure it kind of depended on who you talked to. But for those children and for those women, absolutely. So I want to ask you as we prepare for communion this morning, where are you a blessing? Who comes to mind when I talk about someone you need? Who's out there right now who desperately needs a place like this or a relationship like what you have to offer? Do you realize that there are 3,000 Hungry children, even in and around this South Bellevue Disciplinary community. The domestic violence that's going on around us, and Dorothy and I will tell you, including our neighborhood just above our house, <coughs> is rampant. One in four women, one in seven men. And what are we doing about it? And what about the other hungry and homeless? What about those youth that are struggling? What about, and I, you know I can go down the list. The problem is the list gets overwhelming. And that's why I want you to think about, who is it? Where are you choosing to be a blessing right now? And I don't care how young or old you may be. You are called to be a blessing. And so as I bring this to a close, and what I'm asking us to do as we prepare for communion, 
is commit ourselves again, not only to Emmy, not only to Henry, not only to each other, but what are we going to do about Amber, our neighbor? What are we going to do? How do you respond to that challenge? What are we going to do about those in our neighborhood who are abusing? Those when they're supposed to love? What are we going to do to support those needy children? What are we going to do to take care even of each other in deeper ways? I'm calling you out today, again. This is World Communion Sunday, and the world in our neighborhood needs us. How will you respond? We pray. God, as we dwell in this place, in this place we call sanctuary, how is it that you're calling us to be sanctuary for others? I know that we go and we feed. I know that some of us go and assist with food and in some cases shelter and in some cases clothing. But I wonder if all of us took something on, even for one person like Amber, I might, I wonder if that might deepen our own call. As we come together as a congregation, as we examine our vision for the future, help us to realize that that is such a significant part of it. Who is it around us? for whom we need to be Jesus. And help us commit to that. Help us to communicate that. Help us to take that on. As we come and receive the bread and the cup, and unite ourselves once again with millions upon millions who are seeking to do the same. Guide us in this time Guide us as your people. Guide us as your children. All this we ask in Christ's name.